The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey everyone, hope you're well. Welcome back to the post-debate car therapy session class with Paul and Todd, <laughs> where Paul learns from Todd how to not overspend your money. It's going to be a long, hard slog, everyone, but if you stick it with us, going to be that. there yes. might be progress, maybe. I'm, I'm trying. I really promise I'm trying. Much therapy is going on behind the scenes, and the audience has no idea how I'm trying to talk you out of a tree and get you to spend to people's budgets. But yes, but it, but but it's it's a learning experience. We're all learning and growing here. Yes, I agree. <laughs> we have an amazing amount of content to cover. Lots of good questions. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff to talk about up front, and some great Definitely. debates here that do relate. And I want to talk about that first off. We've got Nick in Boston, Massachusetts. He has a car conundrum, as do we all. It's mm-hmm. uh, Nick, we, we constantly have a car conundrum. Even if you get the perfect Absolutely. car, you're still shopping just because that's yes, who we are. That's so true. Absolutely true. <laughs> but he's got this car conundrum as a father. He's got a family, and uh, he is looking for, wow, cars that will fit his needs so he doesn't have to park one on the street in Boston mm-hmm. in the winter Blah. And he has owned a ton of great enthusiast stuff that when you first read his story, I thought of three or four things I'd recommend. And then I started reading more of his story and realized, oh, you've owned all of them. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, it it makes it much harder. I'm excited to talk about that one because something suddenly struck me on that. And I'm excited to get back to recommend something I haven't recommended before. I'm going to recommend that for Nick. But uh, we also have Jeff in San Francisco that's writing in. And uh, he has lusted after cars forever and finally bought himself his first kind of brand new car was a WRX wagon. And in an odd twist of fate, it has been nothing but unreliable. So now he is looking for something else and has very specific needs. Yeah, strangely. That was very strange to read. And I want to tell everybody about the things that he ran into because there may be more than one. Or it could be just Jeff, just his car. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> sorry. It is your fault. It is all your problem. No, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to cover both those guys. But we do want to start off with promoting the upcoming film, I want to talk about Icon, and we have named the film, as you might have heard in prior podcasts. This one's Mm -hmm. coming, everybody. I hope you really, really are getting excited for it because we're excited to share all the generations of the M3 because 2016, if you didn't know it already, is the 100th anniversary of BMW as a company and the 30th anniversary of the M3. So we thought we'd take this year to do that. It's going to be epic. Nine cars. We drove them all and very much in the vein of the 50 years of the 911 piece, which has proven to be one of our most popular films consistently, Mm -hmm. even three, four years later. It's it's still, you know, a consistent benchmark because we drove them all. And and as we say, back to back all the time. So that's upcoming in December. But we do have to swing over to Todd and check in with him to see how the editing's going and how things are coming along on that front. (laughs) No pressure. Every time I go silent, it's like I'm, I've actually stepped away and I'm editing in my mind. <laughs> I'm selling it hot over here. Everybody's ready to yeah, go. It, yeah, it's not, you, yeah, you're selling yeah. it. I better get it finished. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I'm about uh, – we actually – we have nine cars on camera total. Uh, we have in-depth – and some of those nine are duplicates where we got, we've got we got the, the 
the coupe and the and the sedan of the same generation, like the the ninety series. We've got both. So there there are nine, nine cars total, but that means seven basic body styles that are in depth, and that in, includes the one M and the M two. I have been through all the footage, which is pretty much my step one. I know that sounds like step zero, but <laughs> every editor is a little bit different. But I I literally watch every frame of everything we shoot, yeah, yeah. and and even the stuff that I edit that's not even for everyday driver. This is what I do. I watch every frame. Sometimes that takes hours and hours and hordes of hours. But what happens then is I kind of I'm pulling up and making notes of all the stuff that's good. And that allows me to be exponentially faster as the steps go on because I know where everything is. I've got it organized. I've seen it all. So I've been through all the footage. I've cut uh, two of the two of the seven cars that we focus on, and I'm started on the rest. So, I mean, we're moving. We're moving. And I'm very excited about the footage that we got. And it keeps driving me nuts, honestly, because it's perfect driving weather on all of these shoots, on these great mountain roads that right now are becoming snowed in here in Utah. We can't even get on them. And I keep watching this footage, and it makes me hurt because it's so beautiful. And it's and we had perfect days. Yeah, we did. We did. Well, it definitely takes the right mindset and <clears throat> proclivity to watch every frame of the feature film of everything. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I, I certainly appreciate you doing that. And uh, in the meantime, we're still – Talking about the winter shoots that we've got upcoming and wrangling some more press mm-hmm. cars, lots of new cars coming out, and uh, still more content that we have shot earlier in the year to share with all of you. Still more content trickling out, I think, through mm-hmm. January and February at this point. And, uh, we're, yeah, we've we're got stuff that all, we're, all the way till then. You're right. We've got, we've got tons of stuff backlogged. I mean, we are, I will admit again, we are a little slower on our Thursday releases. It won't be every week. It'll be more like every other week until we get this film out. And that is, that is absolutely about me building space to have time to edit the film. Yep. That's why that's going on. We yep. didn't want to go completely silent. We've gone completely silent for a while in some years past. We won't be doing that, but we are backing off a bit just because there's so much to do. Uh, that film is probably second Thursday in December. I believe it's the 8th. I could be a little wrong on that date. I'm really early to say that, but that's what we're hoping for. Um, yeah, no pressure. So uh, Nothing official. Yeah. Uh, also, if you did not hear the last podcast we did, we uh, if you're just jumping in and joining us now, we had Jason Fenske with Engineering Explained as a special guest. And, mm-hmm. you know, we always say that, yeah, we, we know a lot about cars, but we're constantly and always learning. And it's always good to have that mindset. Yeah, yeah. I certainly learned a lot. I think you did, too. I, I know Jason probably learned some stuff from us. And so it was really excellent to hear Hopefully. his perspective. <laughs> and uh, I mean, not certainly from an engineering perspective, but just no, you know, how, we, no. how we work and how he, we choose cars. He just learned how insane we both are. That's really all he <laughs> took away from the call is right. th- those guys. Glad glad that's over was probably what he thought of when he <laughs> got like, off that call. Check that box. Man, <laughs> moving on. Let's never do that again. Ne- note, note to self, never do that again. But no, it really was a very fun podcast. We had him involved in all of the above. I mean, the car debates and the talking about uh, just the background of his show and all of your Facebook questions is very fun. We will have other guests coming up. I know we've said that many times before. We're going to be diligent about that. Every probably six weeks or so, we'll have somebody else on. We have a nice list of folks that we either have already talked to preliminarily or uh, have tried to schedule with or are in, on, on our wish list. So if there's somebody you'd like us to get in, get in touch with and have on the podcast, we're open to that as well. A couple new to news items up front, uh, a bit more fallout from the Volkswagen Dieselgate scandal, which uh, I think is now affecting our favorite Audi company, our mm-hmm. Audi Le Mans team. As they yep. have announced, I'm sure you've read, they're leaving Le Mans. This from a mm-hmm. championship mm-hmm. winning team that has dominated Le Mans for the better part of two decades. Yep. They're leaving. They're going bye-bye. And having announced... 
devoting all of their time and engineering resources now to Formula E, so everything electric. Yep. I mean, it, it, it feels like a PR move. But, but, it's, but, it's too, but there's twofold here. You've, you've hit on, I feel like, the key things about this. Yes, it's sad, and yes, they have history there. But this is the first, I feel like in some ways, fallout that doesn't du- relate directly – or fallout that dura- relates directly to the performance side of Volkswagen. Because all the discussion has been, well, you and I've said it. We've been, hey, bummer about the TDIs. It's really, this is terrible. But GTIs are still great cars. Their performance yeah, cars are still great they're cars. They're still fast. Well, the they work well. Upper level of their performance they cars. They just pollute. But, exactly. But, but what kind of PR nightmare would it be next Lamar while they're paying out their billions <laughs> for a TDI-branded car to be going around every lap for 24 hours? That's bad PR. So we got to we got to <laughs> close that down, and then of course I think this is where look I, you close it down and I hate it, but I see why. But now you're going to pop up in Formula E. That feels like a mea culpa and just going. We're sorry. Hey, we'll race in the electric series because that's really green, right? Uh, that I don't know. That seems very blatant and uh, shameless almost. Even though that's not a bad thing to be devoting time and resources to Formula E. I think we hope that series grows and, you know, becomes even more interesting and uh, less horrific to listen to uh, from the electric <laughs> motors shrieking around the track. But uh, I wonder if we just see diesels exit racing altogether across the board mm. because of Audi's mm. move and diesels being proven as a performance and winning combination to, to win races. I, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of saddened by that. So we're back to gasoline engines, and now everything's going to the electric racing. Uh, okay, I'm all for that. I'm all for, you know, as you know, the technology and pushing tech forward. But, um, sure, sure. you know, diesels are still a proven tech and, you know, not going away from a, you know, pickup truck and heavy hauling standpoint. But sure, yeah, I, of course not. I guess that's where they might remain. So kind of a bummer there. Uh, but, of course, we wish Audi all their best success and continued success as a top Le Mans team. But it will be weird next Lamar to totally. have no Audis even running in that category. I mean, and of course they totally. have direct sister competition in the Porsche Group, which they didn't yeah. have until the last couple of years. So that didn't feel yeah. like a direct competition. So I understand it from a line item standpoint as well. The larger car group goes, okay, leave that to Porsche, who kind of ha- doesn't have a black eye for running badly, mm-hmm. and then we have to pull Audi because it's a TDI billboard. And, okay, Audi will go to Formula E, it'll cost us less, it'll be good for PR, and we'll leave Porsche to it. I, but still, it's, it is a bummer. I mean, for, for as long as I personally have paid any attention to Le Mans, Audi's been running with the big dogs. So it is very much the end of an era. Yeah, it is. And that segues nicely into our last piece of news here from Mercedes, who has unveiled their X-Class concept pickup truck that shares a platform with a Nissan and is announced to be powered by a diesel engine. And, Mm. notably, they don't expect to bring this pickup truck to the U.S., which is probably the biggest pickup truck market on the planet, excluding South America and Australia and maybe Africa. But, I mean, if you're (laughs) going to do a pickup truck, hi, we're over here. We like pickup trucks. A fully loaded Chevy Silverado is north of 50 grand, so therefore people are willing to pay a lot of money for a luxurified, lexified pickup truck. Yeah. 
Alexified pickup. That's a good way to put it. I just I I struggle with this because this was one of those car pieces of news that first off was just about a concept car, which I normally want to keep quiet about. But the reason mm-hmm. we're talking about it, besides the fact that it's just kind of shake your head, it's also the <laughs> fact that it was everywhere. It was something. It was one of those car pieces of news that everybody picked up. Mercedes is building a pickup, and I just kept scratching my head and really thinking, who is this for? Because I feel like the Lexified, overly luxurious pickup is an American disease. Yeah, agreed. I, I, don't, I don't feel like it really sells anywhere else. I, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. But I feel like if you buy a pickup elsewhere in the world, you're much more concerned about the utility of it than you are the luxury of it. But there is this truck culture here. And look, I'm from Texas. I get it. There's a truck culture here that is about how luxurious can we make it and still be a pickup. But I'm just shocked that Mercedes is thinking about entering this market. And, yeah, then it makes me even more confused that they won't bring it to the U.S. I'm, I just – I don't yeah. know where to put this yet. I really don't. You know, I can argue that of all the European manufacturers, it is Mercedes with the history of the original G-Wagon and their Unimog utility trucks that they have a bit of utility, you know – in their history and in their bones. So for them to come out of... That's very fair. For them to introduce a pickup truck, while a bit odd, it's not completely off the reservation. And therefore, I I think, okay, it's a pickup truck, but you know buyers are going to want that Lexified and Luxurified and fully loaded to be a Mercedes. And the AMG versions announced with, you know, 22s and spinners and chrome (laughs) and on and on and on. Uh, And and back to your point. Come on. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they'll have a crazy ho- high horsepower, ridiculous torque version that will spin the earth on the other direction. I mean, I, I just exactly. – I, I will continue to scratch my head until I A, see one, and B, see who's buying them because yeah. – I mean, the G-Wagons don't make sense. And yet they have a mystique. Certainly over here they do. In the U.S. they do. They have a mystique that people buy them because of what they are, not because it was necessarily the best choice. So, I mean, a G-Wagon in L.A. is one of those – Okay, you just have more money than you than you did thought on cars. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. just that's that you 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 have much more money than you do any consideration about what do I need? What should I buy? Oh, G wagon. That's not on the top of the list at all. <laughs> but you know right. that. So so I'll be very curious to see the market for this. For those South African dictators who are listening, you evil twisted men, you who are tired of your S class, boy, do we have a new car for you? It's the X class. <laughs> You can get it full. That's loaded, terrible. We're, we're, I'm, I'm bracing for hate mail. I'm bracing for hate mail. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, well, we should move on before we dig ourselves an even even bigger hole. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, African dictators. Frightening. All right, let's talk about Nick in Boston. I'm sure in they're Boston listening. And, uh, they want to know what recommendations they... we have for Nick in Boston. Clearly, they want to know. <laughs> because they may go to Boston. And they might. Clearly, Nick's situation can help them. So the, the situation with Nick here is that uh, he has two cars right now. He has a 2014 Focus ST and a 2014 Nismo 370Z. But we're struggling in a world of Boston with a small condo and a single parking space, two cars. Now, that means one of the cars has to be parked somewhere else. Now, that can be in storage. That can be on the street. That can be at his parents' uh, house. So there's a lot of variables for where the other car can go. But that's why he's talking about, should I move on to something else? Should I combine is part of it. Should I keep the Nismo and get something else for the Focus ST? And it's just, this is a descent into madness in some ways, because Nick has driven or owned tons of things we normally recommend, so that takes a lot of them off the table, and he's really stuck. You've totally got to do it, the in a world 
of Boston. <laughs> totally. Come on, do it. Do it, do it, do it. In a world of small apartments and single parking spaces comes Nick with a problem and a Nismo 370Z. <laughs> there it is. Bravo. There it is. That was awesome. Just as expected, it's not a sci-fi film. It is actually Nick's life, and uh, we're here to help. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that stuck out was he lives in this area called the Back Bay of Boston, small condo, mm-hmm. the tandem parking spot behind the building, but otherwise he's got to keep a car on the street. Now, yeah. you've, you've got to hear this. Nick's wife is from Australia and doesn't drive. So therefore, all the driving is left to him. And he's got mm-hmm. two cars. Yes. So now he can get the parking stickers for as many cars as he owns, but that just means street cleaning, snow plowing, you know, the bumper parking and everything else, all the stuff that you have yeah. to deal with, parking a car and owning a car in the city. Now, what's also interesting is that Nick lives about 10 miles from his parents and mm-hmm. has access to a list of cars that is now <laughs> going to make everyone, including me, cry. Are yes. you ready? And by the way, they're generous. Yes. They, they actually want, hey, kids, come on over because Nick's one of four Yeah, kids. anytime. You can drive any over, of these cars, Nick. Feel drive free. Drive cars. Yeah. We're going to Florida. Have fun in the winter. Here's our cars. A Tacoma, a Panamera mm-hmm. GTS, and a Porsche mm-hmm. Macan Turbo. That's yep. right. He's got access to this plus his 370Z, the Focus ST. Yeah, I, I, um, yeah. I want to cry. I appreciate that you you did bring up Nick. Should you just stop stressing yourself and stay with what you have? That's one option. The other option is to True. trade in the Focus and get yourself maybe the all-wheel drive SUV that can get a little bit of four-seat, four, four four-door usability you had in the ST, but maybe all-wheel drive so you've got a better winter winter car and uh, and still fun. Or you could trade in everything and try to go all in. So you still want a performance car. You have a 370Z, a Nismo no less. Still want a performance car that then does the all-wheel drive SUV or sedan thing, which leads you straight to the Macan because you've got experience with one. Your parents own one. You love it. You think, okay, that does the sports car thing. It does the utility thing. Could I get a Macan? The problem is you'd like to spend forty-five or fifty grand, and then you give a Paul limiter of fifty-five grand. <laughs> so I'm that trying, is trying. I know we're straining you, but that is not going to be a new Macan. It's going to be at least a year or so old Macan, which is possible. You could for that budget. But then you go into the stuff you've owned, which you know, <laughs> precludes some of our recommendations. I mean, you know, you've, you've, you've had this 370Z. You used to have a 350Z. You used to have an Evo 10. I, I mean, you've even had the E92 M3. I mean, these are cars that we might run to. And yet, you've taken them off the table because you've owned them. In fact, the Evo uh, cost you a lot of money. You tuned it, and it, it did not go well. So uh, we're not leading you back to that car anytime <clears throat> soon. Mm-hmm. I really like the Macan that you've stepped on as a as a possibility. I think that's a great one. I actually kind of went toward let's get you one car because of this parking situation. That's funny. And because if you need something big, you can get the Tacoma from the parents. If you want to take a huge road trip, you could get you could borrow the the Panamera if you want to take a big road trip. I kind of went for one car. I like the Macan, but I have a sniper shot. Oh, you do. Uh, interestingly, I, do. I will never mm-hmm. steer you from not buying the Porsche. I... Shocking. No one is surprised. No <laughs> one's surprised. Not even one person, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm looking at your list here, Nick. And the option number three, where you say trade both cars in, buy a really nice, mm-hmm. more expensive car that is a mm-hmm. sporty all-rounder, and you list the Macan, which I love. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Todd and I have had private conversations that have filled most of our time lately about 
Huh. How could we both get into a Macan? I mean, frightening. Yes. We're we're loving that car as well. But 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 there is something that's on my mind that could save you money, shocking. And it's the mm. very very new kid on the block that is between the Macan and the Cayenne in size that gets you I down to one car. Going. Interesting. Okay. And it's Keep also going. in this vein for two things as you know, you get more and more into, into adulthood, I think it's okay to edge away from the parents and relying on their resources all of the time. As nice sure, and wonderful sure. as it sounds, being more reliant on you as your family grows is only a good thing. And that only sure, yeah. brings maturity and all those things. I'll, you know, I won't take that very far, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Just, mm-hmm. you know, having, kind of doing your own thing. Having the parents' resources is great, but also doing your own thing and taking your own steps is great. So mm-hmm. also, our podcast is dedicated to families and people who have families and stuff and life, life that goes on, yeah, but course. still want yeah, something course. fun. And dads are no exception. I mean, yes, all your time and resources and money are going towards your family and kids, but that mm-hmm. doesn't stop us and stop you from wanting something fun. It does not cure the disease. I agree. I agree. Keep going. <laughs> so now having established that and telling you about this car, with the money that you're talking about, you wouldn't have to spend 55 You wouldn't have to spend 45 hmm. How about the new Jaguar F-Pace? thought you were going there. Yep. I am really kind of bananas about this thing because mm-hmm. rarely have I seen – a beautiful SUV. As much mm-hmm. as I love Porsches, they're good looking. The the SUVs, they're good looking. Mm-hmm. But Jaguar, yeah. that's beautiful. And it keeps it's a great with the Jaguar car. theme really from the E-class or the E-type that you love that your dad had. Yeah. Jaguar, yeah. the theme has been beautiful cars. They've had some missteps in there, they've had some stumbles, yeah. but they have come out and the new cars are the F-Pace and the F-Type, you cannot argue that they're not just beautiful the xe is a great looking car the oh, xe is a great looking yeah. car in a space where the cars let's be honest kind of need to not be too aggressive in any direction and the xe does a really good job of having unique look unique look and still feeling like oh it's kind of like a three series competitor because it is mm-hmm. but it's still very pretty I, I hear you i hear you on that i also wonder if you got an f-pace your wife may inquire about huh this whole driving thing i might like to be seen in that Maybe I'll learn how to drive. Maybe not. But a family, a growing family, it's something that you're going to want to park off the street, not on the street. Mm -hmm. So therefore, Mm -hmm. we're down to one car. Space for the family, as I said. But striking and beautiful. And we want to drive it. We're going to drive it. I think a winter drive would be appropriate for that car. And uh, we're going to start doing some more SUV stuff here in a while and just start talking Mm -hmm. about that more and more. Because, you know, you've got the Cayenne, I've got the Jeep, but we keep talking about the Macan and the smaller size and the, the yeah, SUVs sure. that are usable and car-like and still, you know, light my candle and hit that button and <laughs> do those things yeah, for I us that you. we're looking for. I hear you. As you said, the disease doesn't go away. And so you've named some other stuff here, Nick, but I'm just wondering. That's in your budget. I mean, you can load them up and be way over 60, of course. Do you need you can that be crazy. one? Yeah, of course you can. No, you can get a middle of the road, but it's brand new. <laughs> And it fits. It just seems to fit. Although, again, yeah. not denying the Macan. I want to follow the Macan rabbit trail into one other thing Nick said for a minute, and then I want to call out my personal sniper shot. Uh, here's the thing about the Macan. You mentioned your mom has a Macan GTS. 
Oh, no, or is it the Turbo? Turbo. It's the, it's the Turbo, sorry. The Macan Turbo, okay? Awesome car. Very cool. But you also said that she doesn't really care. That's pretty much the car that you and your dad said, you'll like this. And she drives it. But it's not like her car that she's all about. Which made me think this, Nick. What if you, Nick, bought a Lexus RX, that's the Lexus Egg that they have in all variations, buy one of those for 45 and trade across with your parents? <laughs> if you want a Macan, buy your mom the Lexus RX. It's going to be great. It's going to run. It's going to probably do everything she ever needs. Get yourself a Macan Turbo that you know the history. I'm talking about go spend real money on an RX. I'm not talking about try to hand your mom a $30,000 car. I'm talking about take that RX and make it nice. Figure yeah. what your mom yeah. wants. Buy that for her and then trade across for the Macan. If you want a Macan, I just I wondered about that. That was the – since you've got a family that has this car, you know the car. They don't need it necessarily as far as usage is concerned. I, that just made me wonder about the Macan. You could certainly find a used one, but you've got one with access – so I'm just wondering about that. But my sniper shot, because all-wheel drive, four doors, real life, single car, not too big because you've got a tandem space, you could hoon it like a track car. You could We've, we've tracked it. You could track car it, but you could drive it very nice. <laughs> okay. It suddenly struck me. Mercedes CLA 45 AMG. Great seats, nice interior, four doors, four seats. Look, the, the back seat doesn't have much headroom, but you have baby seats back there. This is not an issue. So, okay, um, you know, that, that's a cool-looking car. It, we have tracked it. It is, a, it is a laugh on the track. Now, you can't get it in manual, but I don't think it really matters in this scenario. So if you wanted to someday go track your CLA 45, go do that. It would love it. You would love it. But it's all-wheel drive, and it's a nice place to be, and you could just drive it normally, use your one parking space, that's my sniper shot for the night. I don't know that I've ever even recommended that car, but it dawned on me this evening, and I just went, we're done. I like. Uh, Nick, so Todd is saying if you can hang on for about six months, you can get your mom an egg for Easter, a Lexus egg, and trade across Nicely with the turbo. Done. Or yeah, you can possibly. get the car that has, I think, one of the highest power-to-displacement ratios on the planet, if I'm not yes. mistaken. That thing is mm -hmm. uh, in inline four-cylinder, turbo what almost 350 horsepower i mean two two liter yeah two liter four cylinder that's yeah exactly it's it's quite it's quite nuts yeah and and you remember when you and i tracked that car it is a genuinely fun car to track oh my gosh it it does the dual personality thing very very well yep i, I i'm just staying right there i'm staying right there all these are very different i thought you would uh say <laughs> i thought you might tell him to go after his mom and say hey trade you <laughs> we all love well, your but car. I mean, I think you're but, I, but I think that whatever in this it. email, that, that recommendation exists in this email because he's talking about wanting a Macan. He's talking about his mom has a Macan, but not because she went, I want that car. I need that car. He and his dad just went, that's a cool car. You should have that, which is valid. Mm -hmm. But I'm just sitting here going, if he wants that and they don't need it, there's, there's, an, there's an opportunity in there somewhere, I feel like. I, I, you know, I don't know. But – I, I don't. That's not my first choice. But if you go Macan, I think that conversation at least should be said. And if and here's what's happened, Paul. I'm just going to go ahead and call it. Mom and Dad are now listening to this podcast. So hello, Mom and Dad. And I hope I haven't started a fight. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm putting nice. it out there because you know what's going to happen. Nick's not going to bring this up randomly to them. He's going to bring it up and then promptly play the appropriate section of the podcast. So <laughs> hello to you. And uh, we're sorry we ruined that family dinner. But uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 
Very nice. Well, uh, yes, and as we always say, please write and uh, let us know what you end up doing. It's always fun to hear the follow-up stories and, you know, it whether is, or yeah. not that uh, if you take any of these recommendations, that is less important to us than really driving you towards something you love. And Absolutely. if it sparks yeah, another idea in you and you say, great ideas, guys, but I'm going to go this route and that really made me happen – Mm-hmm. then our job is done here. So hopefully yeah, that helps. No, it's totally true. It's, uh, yeah, I was, that was fun. So we'll leave it there and move on to Jeff out on the opposite coast of North America. He is in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He has uh, discovered our, our podcast and the videos. Jeff, thank you so much for watching and listening. Yeah. And to uh, yeah, us. total car guy. He ran out to his street as a kid to find a guy who drove a Testarossa and a Ferrari 308. So he would always uh, run out to hear those and look at those so you know it runs deep which is great yeah he is uh yeah out on the west coast rode motorcycles for a while i'm kind of glad you gave up on that nothing against bikes and bikers but they are admittedly dangerous and uh we want you to be safe so uh then what was it a a wrx wagon and i wanted to get Mm -hmm. to this quickly because i wanted to describe this thing the multiple problems and i know we've got a lot of listeners who drive subies of all kinds, mm-hmm. and we've recommended them instantly and constantly, and we like the car very yep. much. You've had one in mm-hmm. Fuji Heavy Industries form, and exactly, yeah, the so- the so- the uh, <laughs> the Subaru and Saab clothing. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, so here it is. He loved the car, but the maintenance got expensive, which is not something mm-hmm. we've heard often. Some true, attributable true. to hard di- driving, some wear and tear. But what uh, Jeff is referring to is just poor engineering. And here it is, mm. this P2443 check engine light code, which Jeff tells us points to a fault in the secondary air valves routing hot air over the cats during cold start. Apparently, this is a $1,500 repair for parts and labor on a system that works for about 60 seconds each morning. And he yep. spent about ten grand on repairs over the life that he's had this car and he's in, just un, in under a hundred thousand miles. That's the thing. 10, yeah. 10 grand in repairs and under a hundred thousand miles. And it's throwing weird check engine codes like this. This is the thing about this show. That code is now going to be irrelevantly burned into my brain. I don't really have any reason for that code to exist, but at some point in the future, this show is always teaching me because at some point in the future, I'm going to be having a conversation with some WRX owner and that code's going to come up and I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. Oh, you have that problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a cost you 1500 bucks. And then I'm going to wonder why I know that. So this is, thank you <laughs> to all of you that write in with stuff like this, because yeah. this is the kind of stuff that you have to own a car and experience that to have learned it. So I, you know, that's, we're constantly absorbing that kind of stuff and trying to, to share the word to others. But I mean, I'm just sorry that you've had such a bad experience with the WRX because you are the exception to most of the conversations we've ever had about that car. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I mean, you get the, the random car that doesn't run or whatever the combination is. I mean, it exists in every car, just like we joke about every GTI owner we, we know. And honestly, Mini owners, too. I had a discussion with a, with a listener this past week about Minis. Every Mini owner and GTI owner we've known falls into one of two camps. Greatest car I've ever had, never had a problem. Followed by most worst car I've ever had, can't get it out of the shop. Nobody's <laughs> yeah. in the middle going, it's average. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. But the WRX generally is just runs. But here you are with, not for me, it doesn't. So I, I like hearing the counterpoint. I genuinely do. This is so strange. All right. So the recipe that Jeff is looking for here. Here's what he would like. He would like a manual transmission 
rear wheel drive with more than 225 horsepower. Mm -hmm. The headline here is $30,000. It's got to be compact. It can be new or used. But also, he wants it to be four doors for his kids and reliable. So these are the headlines. Mm -hmm. There's some conflicting information in here, I feel like, that I want to address. There is, for sure. Now, he likes the control. He likes the stick shift. He wants rear-wheel drive. He's in San Francisco, doesn't need anything else, doesn't need the all-wheel drive with the the weight Mm -hmm. of an added system in there. He's done the front-wheel drive thing, and he's got, uh, oh, his wife's car, the Honda CRV from 09, and that will work for ski trips, road trips, all that kind of stuff. It's the all-purpose family and utility vehicle, which is what it should be. So he's still got that to fall back on. Yeah, keep going. So here's the conflicting information part. He drives about 30 miles a day for commuting and taking the kids to school in what he describes Mm -hmm. to us as the worst traffic imaginable. Now, he (laughs) likes to dart through traffic, but, you know, and also likes the curvy back road, don't we all? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, But the commute, manual and commute is not something we generally recommend. I mean, we've all done it. We've spent time doing it. It is not high on my list of fun things to do. So you're right. Anyway, so he goes on into the Mazda 3, GTI, Focus ST, cars we've talked about a lot. He's Mm -hmm. maybe looking at German, but worried about reliability. And it does sound at this point in his life, he needs something that really is on the reliable side, especially after the Suzuki experience. And that, despite being a Japanese car, which is so crazy. But but the other other weird conundrum here is the fact that he brings up, I really want... Uh, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission. And now we're talking about a commute car, and his top choices are all front-wheel drive. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we've, got, yeah. we've, we've got quite a juxtaposition <laughs> like, here. Scratch, I mean, scratch, he scratch. Even, huh? he, he even admits, he even admits, okay, what I'd really like is a rear-wheel drive hatchback with 250 horsepower, and it doesn't really exist. So you, you've identified the fact that your car doesn't isn't really out there. I mean, I think about the hatchback one series that they sold in Europe, but that's about as close as I can get. And again, sold in Europe. So it's not going to solve the problem. I did come up, I wanted to talk about one of the ones you're circling already. And then I, I wanted to throw out a wild card that I really feel like actually solves everything you're looking for and makes me wonder about a couple of your requirements, if, if you, the, how hard they are. But one of the ones I wanted to talk about, I did want to talk about that Mazda 3. I think we've talked about it before, but that car for thirty grand, you get like a one-year-old one and you'll be... 24 or so, probably less. I know a guy that bought a, a, a one-year-old loaded one and got it for 22 with like 15,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. So you could get a, a one-year-old one cheap. You could probably get a new one for around 30. We've always marveled at that car for its dynamics in spite of being a non-hot rod version. Great dynamics, great interior. I think of your front-wheel drive options. You're worried about the reliability of the GTR. We've already, GTI. We've already spoken about that a bit. I agree with you. It's a little bit of a dice roll. Great car. The Focus ST, you're thinking, aren't I kind of buying a front-wheel drive WRX? And I would say to you, kind of, yes. So I think the Mazda 3 of the things you've listed rises to the top, but I have a wild card as well. Where'd you go? I'm going to start with my ultimate craziness because I am okay. 49% kidding here 51 percent serious <laughs> all right good are you ready <laughs> sure jeff meet nick nick meet jeff <laughs> nick lives in boston <laughs> he's considering selling his 2014 focus st i'm sure oh, okay. he'd be tickled pink to sell his car 
to a fellow podcast listener. And Jeff, that if you decide funny. on the ST, we know right where to get a good one. And Nick might even get you a podcast discount. So wouldn't that be a story <laughs> to talk about? We would both have you on as guests nice. if that genuinely happens. But absolutely no pressure. That's why I wanted to tie both these podcasts together, these debates, because – You were trying so consistently hard. I actually have Wouldn't to applaud awesome, you. People don't though? understand how much behind the scenes you're really working toward a pink slip swap. You really want that to happen. When that I happens, you, you may just drop the mic and leave the podcast forever when that happens. I think I, that really is your goal. That's my goal. And you trade pink slips and you sort of look around nervously and – are, are we are we good? Do we have to do anything else? All right, cool to meet you. <laughs> Bye now. That's my that's my goal. But no pressure. If it happens, great. But if you're serious, Jeff, about a Focus ST, <clears throat> mm, that meet is Nick. funny. But that is funny. I, like <laughs> I will I will move on to the recipe that you really like. Remember that mm-hmm. manual rear wheel mm-hmm. drive, lots of horsepower. Good news, yeah. it exists in the BMW 135i. 302 horsepower, sure. rear-wheel yeah. drive, manual yeah. transmission, all for thirty grand. And yeah. by the way, as a side note, this car was designed by a man named Chris Chapman, who I had as an instructor during my schooling education at Art Center. He is mm-hmm. now at Hyundai Design in California, as is Sang-Yup Lee, who designed the new Camaro, and Luke Donkervolka, who you know as the father mm-hmm. of modern Lamborghinis mm-hmm. defining the Aventador and the yeah. crazy Lamborghini yeah. shapes. Then he moved to Bentley. Hyundai has all three of those designers in addition to Peter Schreier who heads up Kia. Yeah, who, that's a shocking lineup. From Audi. It's a so, shocking lineup of guys. Uh, Hyundai is bringing the noise, everybody. And I cannot wait for yeah. their first yeah. N version performance car. They're coming, so keep your eye out for Hyundai. Anyway, but that mm-hmm. car does exist in that BMW. But I don't know that that's the car because of traffic. So in sales, you're always – good salespeople are always taught to recognize the question <laughs> behind the question, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Jeff's asking. He's, he's writing in asking us for the fun car, you know, the recipe mm-hmm. that we all attain, that we all want to attain and have this in our lives, all that kind of stuff. But then the commuting comes into play and the city yeah. living and the – you know, small car needs and the family and the four door. And sure. I came up with two cars that are not on your radar, Jeff. I bet you you didn't even consider these. You might've turned up your nose at them, but you need to just know this is my thinking. And they are the Chevrolet Volt and the BMW Mm. i3 with the range extender, which is now Mm, good for 180 mile range, all electric. This car has mm-hmm. gotten serious in a good way, and I looked both of yeah, them up. Yeah. You can spend thirty grand or less. Yes. Hmm. You don't have to have the Paul limiter for this one. And you can get <laughs> into these cars, and they're real cars. And the, the part of you that wants the fun and the stick shift and the curvy road kind of thing, that might be balanced in a good way by having this kind of technology in your life. And hmm. – for what this could fill, I guess, because that curvy back road, I that see where might you're going. 10, 15% of your driving. The rest of the time is family, commuting, school for kids, all yep. that stuff, yep. and city living. And San Francisco is designed and built for the electric infrastructure. Mostly. Sure. Mostly. Yeah, I mean, well, speaking. cars like this make so much sense in a place like that. I agree with Dude. you. I totally agree. Yeah. 
They do. So just think about this. Todd and I have spoken about these both as real cars, especially the i3 with that range extender. And I did look it up. That's not just on the new ones. You can get that range extender on used i3s mm -hmm. for 30 grand. Again, 180 hmm. mile range. That changes the equation. Sure. You can go I see a couple of going. days. Even if you don't have a charging station near where you live, maybe you can mm -hmm. make that work and you charge at work and you know you reverse the thinking. Instead of charging at home all night, maybe you charge at work yeah. all day long and just Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that before. It's there is that that swap. People think about what if I can't charge at home? Well, a lot of times you can charge at the office and you get prime parking too. That's the crazy mm -hmm. thing about it. Yep. Certainly at this point. That's okay, I did not go there, but that's really weird. interesting. Okay. Weird, I know. Yeah. But I think I it, it could fit Jeff's it. situation here. And still yeah. be a modicum of fun. A little bit. There's okay. still some fun in there. Well, I went wild card and I chased the fun. Because I, I hear the frustration here, honestly, with, with Jeff. Because this, this combination is rear-wheel drive, better than 225 horsepower. He, I, I get the sense he wanted to love that WRX across the board, no exceptions. And he did, with the exception of the fact it didn't run well and it cost him a lot. But I, 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 I sense the struggle of a car guy here of, okay, yeah, I have a commute and I have a family and I have kids to take and all that kind of stuff, but I want my car to be fun. And I just think that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. okay. I, I, I do I'm, – I'm with you, Paul, though. I have to wonder about the stick shift as much as I love them. I have to wonder about it if all you're going to do is sit in stop-and-go traffic. It's just, it's just not fun. It's just not fun. Yeah. It's I, great for everything else. But okay, I just don't want but him to write us to... and go. Thanks, guys, you you nailed it. Yeah. But man, am I miserable? You know, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Situation but like I wonder that. if that WRX has been a, has been a stick shift. He actually doesn't say. I'm wondering if it has been, and he and he just is fine doing that. So okay, you talk about you frequently cart your kids around, but I'm going to say to you. I mean, you said it with the 135, Paul. Do you need four doors? Do you need four doors? Hmm. Mm, yeah. Because I thought chasing the rabbit trail of let's get you into something that you love. Let's get you into something that is really fun. And when you commute in and it's fun and when you get the chance to do a back road, it's fun. And you get the chance to walk out and go, I own that car right there. I have to say it. If you can spend 30, <laughs> certainly I, I looked in your area under 35 grand. I, yes, I went up to 35, but I looked in San Francisco area. I found 70 of what I'm about to describe within 100 miles of San Francisco. Holy moly. A 911. A 996 to early 997 911. There were options. There were convertibles. There were four S's. There were base Carreras. Folks, 911 works. You can commute in that car. You can hoon it on a back road. I can't tell you the number of people I have seen in Park City and elsewhere that take their kids on the school run on a 911. It's not just a joke commercial that they made. It happens. So I think you have to... That, it's, I'm I admit almost I'm in wild card territory. I'm almost speechless. I mean... Again, no Porsche for me, and you're going 911, and I'm just well. But you're right. I just you're right. Yeah, I, it it could work here. I, it could it work could. here. And I want to. I want to look. I admit this is a wild card, but I feel like it does so much of what you want, with the exception of being four doors. And I sense from you, you want to love that car you just bought. Now I know what many of you are saying, and maybe even what our friend Jeff is saying, and that is, what about the cost of running that car? Well, look, I have that used Cayenne. They are expensive for maintenance at the at the maintenance intervals, but they don't just randomly break. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. Yeah. So find yourself an independent mechanic. My independent Porsche mechanic costs me half what the dealer would charge. Yeah. Half. Yeah. 
So, and, and the major service intervals are the 40,000 marks, the 40s, the 80s, the 120s. We can all do math. So that's, that's the thing. So think about that. And then there's some others of you are saying, well, but no, hang on, 996 and 997, that's the IMS bearing issue, and uh, the engine's going to blow up, and you're going to get near the car, and it's going to explode like a Michael Bay film. No, it's not. Okay? <laughs> the IMS thing is it's over-exaggerated because welcome to the Internet. You could – preemptively solve that problem. I will admit it's about two grand to preemptively solve it, okay? But now it's solved. It's the only thing out there that is a known kind of hiccup on those cars. There is a fix for it. It will cost you a little bit of money up front, but then the car's just going to run. So I know I'm in wild card territory. Maybe it makes no sense. I I hate to be the guy that brings up Porsche when Paul ignores it, but I just, (laughs) I see the fun quotient there, and I I can't leave you hanging, Jeff. So there's there's that. Hopefully something in here has helped you. I still like the Mazda 3, but come on. You're taking the kids to school on a 911. You get to drive in the 911 to work, and then you get to every now and then, let's go on a fun drive. Or you know what, honey, let's go to dinner. Let's take the 911. All of that is cool. All of that works. I'm embarrassed. I That's great. I love it. I just – I mean I, I never suggest it because of the perception around Porsche because, oh, yeah, oh, you own a Porsche and – you know, the yeah, expense know. and all that stuff. And you've addressed it beautifully and magnificently. I, I have nothing. I got nothing on that. Well, and but, I think you know, you're I mean, right. It look, could work. There's, you know, we could chase BMWs all day long. But then sure. some BMWs, I think generally most people that we know that have owned BMWs, they've cost more to run than a Porsche. They just have. True of Mercedes as well. So, you know, it's, it's a German brand. Look at the reliability ratings. The German brand, it's, it's the one that is the high one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's chase that. So there you go. I, I, I know I'm bringing up Porsche again on a podcast. It seems like it's sponsored by Porsche. We're not, but they could happily send us a check and we cash it. So, uh, yeah. The yeah. best part some is Facebook questions? the new film from Michael Bay just entitled Explosions. And then oh, yeah. in six months no, it'll be a- Explosions Part 2. It's actually just entitled IMS Bearing. That's really what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's going to be great. Yeah. The new Michael Bay yeah, film. Fed from the internet. <laughs> I think you should jump right he... into uh, Victor's question and address the drive. Wait, no, drive seriously, I, you, you've, you've hit on something now. I have to rant. Why is oh, Michael no. Bay doing Transformer franchises? Franchises. Why is this? So he can buy 9 for all the directing, clearly. For all the directing that guy has done, why is the franchise that he has landed on that is his thing Transformers? Well, Transformers. I mean, there's only one I Alcatraz. Just... There's only one, you know, prisoner airplane. There's only one huge asteroid flying at the moon. I see where you're going. There's only but I just, one, you know. So. The trans, I'm not sure Transformers needed a movie, let alone what number seven or whatever number we're on now. I just That's a franchise <laughs> I cannot believe exists. Uh, yes. Um, okay. You wanted to jump to Victor's question because we're talking about uh, – yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think you should jump that. right in and address this Drive Tribe thing that everybody's talking about and uh, well, kind of where we're at with it. Victor's asked a great question, and, and, and I will admit right now ignorance, some, some level of ignorance. And for those of you that may know more than us, we would love to hear your perspective. But Victor's writing in and going, what do we think of Drive Tribe? Now, Drive Tribe is the new I, – I, there's somebody maybe behind Drive Tribe we're very familiar that is going to hear my description now and it's going to make their teeth grind. But I'm just going to tell you my perspective. Drive Tribe is the new kind of social media network for car guys that is being built underneath the banner of the three guys about to do Grand Tour. So Clarkson, Hammond, and May. And they're being used as the poster children, and we're building, I hate to say it, but it's an easy way to say it, their own car throttle. That's what they're building. Mm -hmm. So 
they're creating all these channels and, you know, do you want to be a channel host and uh, do you want to run your tribe and all that kind of thing. And honestly, we've submitted. We've been accepted. Yep. I have dug in to the information as best I can find. And here's what I can find or am aware of. I can't see short of maybe it turning into a car throttle. And I do say maybe because let's be honest, car throttle already exists. There's a huge car social media thing out there. That doesn't even include wheel well or the Facebook uh, pages that you like or whatever like that. We're talking in addition to all of that. So can this survive in that space and be as big a splash just because of those guys on the masthead? I don't know is a genuine question. But I can't see any way that the people that run tribes get any money out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure whoever runs Drive Tribe will get money out of it. Right. But if I were to, if, if you and I, Paul, were to start posting tomorrow all of our YouTube comment to Drive Tribe, I suspect we wouldn't make a solitary dime. At that point, right. that makes no sense. Right. I mean, we don't make a ton of money from our stuff anyway. We're not, you know, vloggers. We don't do viral stuff. It's not what we build. Right. But right. we do offset production costs with those YouTube ads that run on the front. Yep. Yep. If I'm going to post to Drive Tribe now and I'm not going to get a solitary cent, I just physically can't make that work. You and I can't do that. No. So that's been the struggle for us. I can't see how it benefits you other than maybe exposure, maybe exposure, because it's not like there's going to be four people on it either. Everybody's going, I should be a part of Drive Tribe, which means it's going to be huge. And if it benefits only the mothership, why are we there? Well, it'll be interesting uh, a year from now or longer when yeah. Drive Tribe is out. We know much more. You're listening to this, you know, much later, and Drive Tribe either exists and is huge and is awesome mm-hmm. and amazing, or it died instantly. And candidly, look, I'll be honest. I don't want to miss the boat. If it's going to be a thing, I'd like to be a part of it. We've of been accepted. We could build a tribe. I'd l- I don't want to miss something. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just from the, from the information we have, it doesn't look – I don't see the real benefit other than the bragging rights of it for the content creators that are not the guys that are embedded. You know, But, but what's his name? Catchpool just left Evo to be one of the presenters of their kind of internal professional oh, channel. Uh, Henry. So, I mean, they've yeah. got – exactly. They've got, they've got money they're throwing at it. They've yeah. got budget. I just – you know, we, you and I can't work for completely free. We work for very little, but we can't work for fully free. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. A question from Rick Newkirk, who jumps in here and asks us, when we're in the car, what is the difference between a mid-engine and rear-engine configuration? The power is mm-hmm. routed to the back. He's not sure why it's different. And I know both of us want to weigh on this, but I do want to make clear that mid-engine can refer to a rear mid-engine car versus a sure. front mid-engine car where the engine is truly still mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the middle of the car and therefore between the axles. So it might sure, just yeah. mm-hmm. be right behind the front axle. A great example of that as a brilliant car, standout car, is the Honda S2000. That is technically Definitely. a front Definitely. mid-engine car. Open the hood true, sometime. True. The engine is precisely everything behind the front axle. And mm-hmm. Rick, it's all about the weight transfer and balance of the car. It, Absolutely. Yeah. E- even if it were front-wheel drive, it'd be very strange, and nobody's ever built one to my knowledge, a rear med-engine or rear-engine front-wheel drive car. It doesn't make <laughs> much sense, but you think about it, all the weight of the car is shifted to the rear upon acceleration. Therefore, that would unload the front wheels, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's all about uh, dynamics. And we talk about that so much in our videos when we're driving cars that are this way yeah. or that way, yeah. and it holds its you know, it's weight in the corner or it doesn't and it feels this Mm -hmm. way or that Mm -hmm. way. And it has very much to do with 
more of the dynamics of the car than anything having to do with routing the power to the back. Well, no, it's going to have that same kind of feel. The car squats, you take off. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then when you start moving, then when you track a car, your favorite canyon road, all those things, that very much makes a difference. And yes, you cannot, cannot ignore the front mid-engine configuration that also is an entirely different feel as well. Um, yeah. That's, that's the high points, I would say. I mean, the the key thing going on here, uh, Rick, is that the engine is the heaviest point in the car. It's the big bowling ball of the car, if you will. It, as a result, being the heaviest spot, is the last thing to really want to change direction. So depending upon the engine placement defines the dynamics of a car. You look at an, a lot of Audis where the engine's out over the front axle. Guess what they want to do? They want to understeer because you turn the wheels in the front of the car, penduluming is going to try to keep going straight. Understeer, the classic <laughs> 911, you right. can open up. The, the You can watch somebody with the engine open on a classic 911. You can stand there and see where the engine is and see where the rear axle is and realize, <clears throat> oh, my gosh, there, there's an anvil behind the rear axle. So what does it want to do? It wants to oversteer. You, you take a hard right in a 911, and then you lift off the gas. Well, what happens is that huge anvil behind you wants to just keep trying to go straight, which means it pendulums around and brings the butt around. So this is the problem. Mid-engine versus rear-engine. Mid-engine, traditionally, let's just say, look, we'll stay in the Porsche lineup because it's us. Yay. The Cayman. The Cayman is mid-engine. You, you, you crack the hatch on that. You figure out where the engine is. It's, it's just in front of the rear axle. The 911, especially if you go 997 and back, 991 is trying to become a mid-engine car. But 997 and back, that engine is behind the rear axle. So that's going to change the dynamics of both of those. That mid-engine car, in most cases, is going to be far more docile and less prone to do something strange mid-corner than the 911 with the engine in the back. And most of these, where you're going to feel the dynamic difference, is going to be mid-corner. And how you apply throttle and what you do with the braking and what you do with turn-in changes depending upon which one you're in. Yeah, excellent question. And I think it has to do with, um, you know, driving lots of cars and feeling that, as Todd and I have. And for those of you who have not driven those configurations, I highly encourage you to go do so and Mm -hmm. feel the differences. And you really start to feel that, understand it. And, you know, then you think down the rabbit hole of the recipe with tires and engine position in the car and the way the car handles and all that stuff. And that's why we can slice things so thinly to, uh, you know, really to recommend cars for you, for those of you listening. It's weight transfer and grip. I mean, that 911, if you you lift off the gas in the middle of your corner in a 911, you are creating problems because Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gas is what squats the car back on the back half of the car, which is where the weight is, which is where the grip now is. You slap the brakes in the middle of a a quarter in a 911, you're now lifting traction, getting away from traction in the rear of the car, but it still has all that weight. This is why you found a license plate in a ditch. (laughs) That's what happens. Living proof. Chance put that on Instagram if you haven't seen it. It's a license plate that says flat six that we found exactly (laughs) at the track out of a corner. So exactly where the engine would have smacked into the guardrail slid out into the wall there it was <laughs> oh look you drove a 911 and you peeled your license plate off good job sir yeah. yes yeah it's all crumpled it's still crumpled i'm gonna have that thing framed in a you know a really deep like a, know, like a shadow thing. box shadow you're gonna box shadow box thing. it so you can keep it crumpled i love totally, it yeah it's good totally well i was gonna say this uh question from rick ties into jj mount's question 
he is asked about test driving as many vehicles as we can. And as I, I mentioned oh, true. just now, you know, drive the mid-engine and the rear-engine configuration. But what JJ is asking is for those of us who have entered a dealership and test-driven a car, mm. we all know after test driving, that's when the salesperson pours on the pressure to negotiate purchase price. Sure. Yeah, and it yeah, can yeah. be challenging to escape. And I know we do have those of you who are salespeople at dealerships. You are listening. We are aware of that. We'd love you to weigh in as well. Mm -hmm. uh, some advice here, JJ, is yes, we encourage you to go test drive cars. And when you do, you're somewhat serious. I mean, they can kind of very True. quickly yeah. weed out the tire kickers. But – from a salesperson point of view, if you walk into a dealership, you're fairly serious about this product. And I think most reasonable salespeople would say, okay, if you just want to test drive and you're still making the rounds and you want to come back, here's my business card. Please let me know. They're in the business of selling cars and ideally giving you the mm -hmm. best experience possible to let you drive the car and let you drive it how you want. Not on the Hopefully. company's pre-planned test route around the block on a short section of freeway and call it good. <laughs> Increasingly, we found Jaguar says, go take the car, come back in a couple hours or, or don't. Yeah. You know, we, we've got your license. You know, and, <laughs> exactly. You're not going to go too far. Yeah, true. You know, th they let you take a car without a salesperson in the car. Their tactics are changing. And like I said, most good dealerships and most good salespeople will be fine with you changing up the game and say, I'm interested in this car because of curvy roads or you know, a, a different kind of driving than just the round the block. Do you mind if we go a little mm -hmm. bit further? They'll be cool with it. But Hopefully. they're there to sell you a car. So they're not necessarily there to make friends with you. They're there because they think <laughs> you're buying. Conversely, yeah. you're not there to make best friends with a salesperson. No need to be rude, but you're not there to please them or give them what they want. You're there to yeah. experience something. So again, keep it in mind professional, cordial, you can be honest and say, look, I'm driving a bunch of cars over the next month. I'm taking the next four Saturdays. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, driving yeah. this yeah. laundry list of cars. You're one of them. I might be back. I might not, but it depends on the experience I receive from you and if I like the car or not. So let's go for a nice test drive. You cool with that? Yeah. You, you've hit on a key thing that was on my brain, which is just be candid. Be candid about, look, this, yeah, I, I love your next four weekends. I'm driving cars all over town. I think that's a great one. The other one that I like is if you can find a dealership, even a used car dealership, wherever. I, it doesn't have to be necessarily even the example you might buy. But let's say you found at a Carma, CarMax or a used car lot or some random car dealer that happens to have an off-brand. See if you can find two or three cars on the same lot that you want to drive, even if they're two or three different makes. Because then you can really spread the, the wealth and be like, look, I'm, I'm sampling cars. And you guys happen – I said this actually. When we were shopping for the Cayenne, we drove three different cars on one lot. And I said to the guy very honestly, I said, we are trying to figure out what we like. You guys happen to have something close to the car we're considering. They didn't even have the Cayenne we bought. They had one that was actually a little older and a turbo. But And I said to my wife, we're not getting that one. But, but we were able to drive multiple cars on the same lot and have a conversation right away with back-to-back -back experience without even getting in back in our car. So I think if you're candid, that really helps. Yeah. Yeah, the other item you touched on, and that is used car dealerships that have you know used examples of things, and they do business a little bit differently, and they might be more lenient on letting you drive a bunch of different things. Mm. Take your license and say, sure, you know, you can have the next twenty minutes, come back, and I'll put you in something different or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can just be negotiating, you know, 
be cool about it, as Todd said, be candid, be upfront. But again, they're there to sell you a car and you're not there to make friends. So keep that in <laughs> mind. And yeah. hopefully yeah, everybody yeah. will leave happy. Hopefully they give you a good service and find you a great deal on something you like. And, and uh, you know, obviously you can't go through the car classifieds and go through every, you know, privately used car person to say, hey, I just want to drive your car just for kicks. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's People hard. don't like that's, that. That's, and, that's, and that's also not cool. I do agree with that. I mean, you'll even see some ads that say, you know, no joy rides because they just don't want people going by and yeah. just, I want to drive the car, but I'm not really serious. That's, that's not cool. I get that, yeah. I mean, because they're privately owned, whereas dealerships and used car lots and CarMax, the company owns the car at that point, not a private person. Yeah. So they're usually a yeah, little true. bit cooler. Like, okay, whatever. It's just, it's product. There's a lot of product coming through the floor. So whatever, go take a drive, mm-hmm. you know, okay. So uh, hopefully that helps, JJ. And uh, any last questions? I have one very quick last one, but uh, anything else? That you I had a quick last one as well. Christopher asked, do we have a favorite steering wheel? I actually like uh, Momo's stuff. I mean, a lot of the times there's, there were steering wheels that wound up in WRXs, and I like them. Uh, they had stuff in Lotuses, and I like them. He said, have you ever gotten – I did like this. Have you ever gotten in a car and said, I wish this had a flat-bottom steering wheel? No, I never have. I've never – Honestly, never sat in a car and thought this steering wheel should have a flat bottom. I know there's cars where they have them and it helps a little bit, but it's it's never dawned on me. If I can get comfortable with my head not hitting the ceiling and my legs not cramped, victory. Steering wheel can be whatever shape it needs to be. That doesn't matter. But yeah, okay, funny. <laughs> James Dyer asks, what's more annoying? Guy in the Honda with an obscene amount of negative camber and doesn't track it, or a guy with a 40-inch wagon wheel wheels and a ridiculous lift on the truck or Jeep? <laughs> But doesn't sure. off-road it. Uh, that's a lot of people in L.A. Uh, James, mm-hmm. clearly you haven't heard of ScrapeFest, Utah's premier stance and fitment show, ScrapeFest.com, even on Facebook. Ugh, you too can watch a second-generation Mazda RX-7 try to get into the parking lot and completely rip their front bumper off because they're so low. <laughs> well, you know Chance yeah. went, right? Yep, he was you telling know Chance me about went it, to too. Scrapefest. That's I the mean, story just, he told me, as a matter of fact. Oh, man. <laughs> just, uh, that's just... At uh, least the truck and the Jeep or the, the lifted, you can still drive it, and there's still some hint and some promise of, I could go do something with this car and have a lifestyle and go off-roading. The scrape fest stuff, you can't do anything with it. It looks like yeah. the, the junkyard wrecker stepped on the car and the hydraulic crusher already crushed it, and you can't do anything. You can't track it. You can't drive it. You can't go over potholes. You'll hit your car on a dime yeah, it doesn't work for anything. Nothing, completely useless. Well, but we're touching on we're touching on something though that is the difference between how do you define car enthusiast? And I would actually submit this to you, Paul. You and I are actually not car enthusiasts. We're driving enthusiasts because right point. You could be a you could be a car enthusiast and like a stanced vehicle and like a lifted truck. And in both cases, what you've done, especially if you're not, I mean, with the lifted truck, you're not off-roading. What you're doing now is you're making a style statement. That's, that's really all you're doing because you've made true, both true. vehicles worse dynamically. You've made them worse dynamically, <laughs> but you like the way they look. You and I are driving enthusiasts, and what we're obsessed with is a car has to be dynamically good And any time. And this could be tuning without stancing. Any time you tune a car and you made it worse dynamically, you went the wrong direction. That's where you and I are always going to fall. There's plenty of enthusiasm <laughs> for stanced True. vehicles. 
But you're making the point where they aren't usable, and you and I want usable, and we want dynamically fun, and you've failed on both counts. <laughs> Agreed. That's that's an excellent point. Uh, yeah, from a style and still car enthusiasm standpoint, you're right. We will bid you adieu and say thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for watching. Until next time, and cheers. Cheers.